This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Frank Marano, 77 This is the AC Report. at one of the most interesting cities in the world, Atlantic City, New Jersey. And I am very happy to tell you that uh, I am returning to Atlantic City in a mere nine days. This will have been my longest time away from Atlantic City since I was 19 years old, and I am looking forward to going. But... Maybe my enthusiasm is a bit misplaced because if you look at the headlines, it looks like we are very close to multiple casinos seeing a casino worker strike right around the 4th of July weekend, which is one of the biggest weekends Atlantic City has for the whole summer. Uh, Somebody that's done a great job reporting on this is uh, Michael Sinato. He's a labor and economic reporter and a contributor to The Guardian who's done some great reporting on this story. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Uh, Thanks for having me, Frank. Uh, So give folks a little bit of your background. If they haven't read your work previously, what's your background in terms of your reporting on the labor movement? Well, uh, I've been a labor reporter for The Guardian for the the past four years, um, covering mostly, you know, national things uh, across the U.S., um, some international work as well. Um, You know, and, you know, if you know, you've seen a labor story in The Guardian over the past few years. Uh, most likely, you know, my name is on the byline. <laughs> no, you do a, a terrific job. So give folks who maybe have not been following this too closely, give them sort of the reader, Reader's Digest version of how we got here. What is it that the casino workers want, and um, why are they so upset? 
Well, I mean, everyone remembers what happened in, in 2020. And, you know, whether it's a casino or hotel or restaurants, everything shut down in March 2020. Uh, and, you know, these workers were kind of, you know, pushed out on the unemployment line. And anyone who had to deal with unemployment at that time, you know, it, it was a mess. Uh, it was a mess to get through to. Uh, you know, a live person, to, if you had any issues, uh, a lot of people were waiting on delayed pays. Uh, so there was that aspect of it. And then, uh, you know, a few months later, things started opening back up. Uh, and it, it wasn't easy, uh, you know, if you were a worker returning to work, uh, you know, still worried about uh, COVID, still worried about uh, whether your, your shifts are going to be the same. Uh, what the workloads have been like, and, you know, speaking with workers, not just at, at Atlantic City, but in hospitality around the U.S., um, especially housekeepers, they, you know, they've experienced um, big issues with big workloads uh, because what a lot of hotels are doing, and these casinos have done it as well, is they've eliminated mandated daily room cleaning. Um, so if you get a hotel for, you know, say three nights, that, you know, those housekeepers aren't going to automatically come in and clean it unless the guests, you know, specifically request it. Um, and that was seen by workers as a labor cost-cutting uh, tactic. Um, you know, initially it was under the guise of protecting people from COVID, but, uh, you know, it, it's still going on now um, when, you know, you know, pretty much most COVID protection, protections have been uh, removed. So, so workers are upset about that. So you have housekeepers coming, going into rooms that no one has touched in three or four days. Uh, and, you know, I spoke with housekeepers at uh, these casinos. I've spoken with housekeepers around the U.S. and they said, it, you know, it's a mess. Uh, it's a lot more work, a lot more trash to take out. And, um, you know, they're still expected to, you know, hit quotes, expected quotas. Um, and, you know, last year we, we saw stories, you know, ongoing staffing shortages. There's worker shortages. Uh, and that's been the case in these casinos. Um, you know, a, a lot of the workers have been there for years and years and years. Uh, and, you know, a lot of their issues is they're doing the work of two or three people because their departments are uh, properly staffed, uh, the pay. Um, you know, they make typically just over $15 an hour, uh, and with all the prices been going up um, and a, a lot of, you know, different employers offering higher wages, uh, you know, they if they can get employees in the door, they can't keep them. And that's been a big issue uh, at these casinos. Um, so the, their union contract expired May 31st without a new deal in place. Um, and, and in previous contracts, workers have, you know, they, they didn't push for wage increases uh, because they were emphasizing, um, you know, securing retirement pensions and, and health care benefits and things like that. So uh, this time around, uh, you know, we, we've seen it, you know, throughout the labor movement, uh, people are pushing for, you know, wage increases, inflation, you know, above 8%. Um, so really anything less than that uh, is pretty much a, a pay cut uh, that the workers are pushing for. And, and the casinos, you know, haven't been very, um, from what I've seen, they, you know, they didn't respond 
for requests for comment on my story, and that was typical across the board when other outlets were reporting on this. Um, but, for, you know, for, according to the union, they're not really, they haven't at this point budged on, on wages. And, uh, you know, Atlantic City and the casinos, they're, they're back to pre-pandemic levels. The profits are back up. Uh, but the, the working conditions are, are still rough for these workers, and they just want to be, um, you know, taken care of in terms of wages. And I think that's why, you know, 96 percent of the, the workers that voted at the strike authorization a few weeks ago on June 15th voted to strike. And um, starting on June 1st, this Friday, uh, Cesar July Harris, 1st. July 1st, excuse me. Cesar's Harris, Tropicana, and the Borgata. Uh, they're going on strike, and then the strike date uh, for July 3rd at Hard Rock. All right. Um, you said a great deal there. So in terms of what the casino workers and their union, uh, Unite Here Local 54, uh, is asking for specifically, you said you mentioned a number of 8% inflation. So is that what they're looking for in terms of a, of a, a wage increase? Are they looking for an 8% wage increase? Basically, they've been uh, not exactly sure what they've mo- what their most recent proposal has been. But I mean, that, that's basically the, the basis what they're looking for. Something uh, along the lines of you know uh, the typical work. Their average is around fifteen dollars right now. I think they would like to see um, you know eighteen, nineteen dollars an hour. Uh, and, and then there's some other issues. Um, uh, the casinos have. Uh, relied on uh, staffing agencies, so contracted workers, and they want to, you know, control that and make sure that if they do get wage increases, they're not uh, undercut or lost by um, the casinos just relying on some contracting where those workers are paid, you know, less and, uh, you know, a third party gets a, a part of the, the wages that they're they're paid. Got it. Uh, if people just tuning in, we're doing the AC report with Michael Sinato. He is a labor and economic reporter and a contributor to The Guardian. We, we uh, spoke a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Roger Gross, who's a publisher of uh, uh, basically a, a magazine called Global Gaming Business Magazine. So he is, I think, very sympathetic to where the casino workers, excuse me, where the casino owners are coming from. This is what he said uh, in terms of where the casinos were with respect to the union demands. The casinos are certainly prepared to offer a, a substantial raise. I mean, they, they understand that these workers have, have really gone to the mat for them when it comes to the pandemic. You know, they came back immediately after the pandemic was, was uh, winding down when the casinos reopened. And uh, they, they've done a great job in, in, uh, in getting uh, back to work and, and servicing their customers. Uh, the, the union, however, is, is again, is asking for, for multiples of, of what the casinos are, are willing to give. Uh, and uh, uh, the way they, they uh, couch these things is just just very difficult for the casinos to really really uh, absorb uh, their their demands at this point. So you know uh, the, the uh, Bob McDevin and, and his crew you know are really uh, kind of a two faced. In a lot of cases, they they talk about how much they're they're working for their their uh, members, and uh, but at the other on the other side of the equation, they're working for the casinos.
Michael, what I'm trying to figure out and what uh, I think a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out is just how far apart these two sides are. So uh, Roger Gross claims that the casinos are willing to offer a substantial raise. Um, You've indicated that the casino workers would need more than an 8 percent raise, uh, something along the lines of 18 or 19 dollars per hour, plus some changes to using staffing agencies. Do we know how far apart these two sides are? are in terms of specifics, either in terms of dollar per hour or in terms of percentage? Uh, There hasn't been a a lot of information uh, leaked based on uh, where negotiations are. I I do know that they've you know, been meeting daily. So uh, obviously that's going to change uh, based on, on the back and forth. And, and, and there's typically a reason for uh, why unions don't necessarily um, leak what everything that's going on in the negotiations. But the, the, the point is uh, that, uh, you know, they, they have been this far apart because the contract expired a month ago and, you know, the, we have less than 48 hours until a strike begins. And, um, you know, there, there is still time for both sides to, to reach a deal and avoid a strike. And, and, you know, that's happened, you know, plenty of times before. So it's not necessarily imminent, but, um, you know, the, the union and, and the workers have uh, made no qualms about, um, you know, being prepared to strike. You know, the, the union's been posting pictures. They've got uh, dozens and dozens of signs ready uh, and it seems like their membership is um, you know, excited if it comes to that, that they're, they, you know, they will strike if they need to do so. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see from there uh, whether that, that pressures the, um, the casinos to, to up their proposal to something more than uh, what the negotiating committee is looking for um, on, a, on a new contract. What is the plan now in terms of a work stoppage? I know you indicated that uh, Caesars, Borgata, and Tropicana are slated to uh, begin their work stoppage, their workers, on Friday, and then it would be the Borgata, uh, excuse me, then it would be the Hard Rock a few days later. Do, how do these work stoppages go until they work out a new labor agreement, or do they go for a day or two and then they say, all right, let's give the hard rock workers an opportunity to uh, to do their work stoppage? How do these work stoppages go in terms of your your understanding of how this would work? There are unions can strike for like one day or a set amount of time, and that sometimes happens. But this would be an indefinite strike until at least a tentative uh, agreement is reached. Um, and, and then typically what happens is the, the strike is paused and then members vote on it. Um, and depending on the outcome of the, that vote, um, the, the strike ends and the deal is reached uh, or, you know, the membership rejects the vote. Uh, the, the new contract and the, and the strike continues. Um, and, and just, you know, most recently last year, uh, workers at John Deere, they kept on uh, voting down the, the contract, that um, the tentative contracts uh, over in Iowa, and the, the workers kept on going on strike uh, to demand, you know, better um, pay and, and more concessions from their employer. So, um I can't say or speculate, you know, what, what's going to happen on um, those fronts. But um, if no deal is reached by Friday, um, you will see uh, a, a lot of workers um, out on picket lines uh, outside of these casinos. Um, 
you know, it is just these um, these five casinos that are going on strike, but um, there are other casinos um, in the area, and a couple of casinos um, have already agreed to adhere to whatever is agreed upon in these contracts. Um, so you'll see, you know, members, you'll see community members, and um, you know, their families on the picket lines if it comes to that. And what would this mean for people staying at these hotels or for players? Uh, these casinos, as I understand it, are planning to remain open. What would the experience visiting one of these properties be like for just a regular person, somebody listening to us right now? Uh, well, if you're visiting it during the strike. During the strike, to, yeah. During the strike, uh, you're going to have to cross a, a picket line. Uh, and it, it really just depends on um, the contingency plans the casinos have in place, um, how many workers cross the picket line, uh, how successful they are in getting, um, you know, most likely um, contractor workers to, to fill in the, the positions of the, the workers who are out on strike. And, uh, you know, w- with a strike this big, uh, you know, there could possibly be, um, you know, parts of the casino or uh, services that will be, you know, reduced, you know, possibly canceled. Uh, you know, I can't speculate mm-hmm. um, surely on that, but that's what typically happens, um, and, you know, especially in the hospitality industry. So uh, it, it's it's really all contingent on, um, you know, how strong the, the, the membership comes out for the strike and, and you know, what the casinos are, are prepared to do to get those contingent workers um, to, to cross picket lines. What are the workers telling you about how they're feeling going into the drop-dead date of uh, Friday, July 1st? Do they seem uh, nervous? Do they seem defiant? Do they seem optimistic? Do they seem frustrated? What are the workers telling you? They're frustrated that that it's come to this. You know, none of these workers want to go on strike because, um, you know, they they are giving up income uh, to to do that. And you know, you know, for people who have given years and years and years of service to uh, these casinos, they you know they don't want to see uh, a, a strike happen. Uh, but they, they, they're at the point, they're at a, you know, kind of a boiling point where they feel like this is the, the last resort to, to get the casinos to, to make the necessary changes to, to pay to, and, you know, with that, uh, to fix the, the staffing issues that they've still been experiencing. Um, because, you know, like I said before, with the, the low pay, they can't retain or hire, uh, or compete with, you know, other other workers, um, you know, because, it, you know, anyone that's worked in hospitality, whether it's, you know, working at a restaurant or working in hotels, it's it's not an easy job. So, um, and, I, you know, I think these, these workers are, are really frustrated to see that, you know, business is booming, business is back, but they're, you know, struggling, you know, more than ever with, um, you know, the prices of everything that's been going up. Um, people I've, I've talked to people um, that are consistently, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Either at the end of the month, they either have to figure out whether they're going to pay rent and pay their bills late the next week or uh, vice versa. And, um, you know, working full time um, for, you know, a thriving business like a casino in Atlantic City, um, that shouldn't be the case. 
Now, uh, certainly it should not uh, not be. One of the things that I'm surprised we haven't heard more of from the union here is the proposal to ban smoking in Atlantic City casinos. You know, I, I'm a, a, an occasional cigar smoker, so I'm hoping that they don't go forward with the smoking ban. But I can understand if you're working five, six, seven, eight hours on the casino floor at a time, you don't want to breathe in all this secondhand tobacco smoke. But as I have seen the coverage, uh, that is not one of the issues that the union seems to be making um, making one of their key points here. Is the union uh, upset about all this smoking going on or because they think that'll hurt the bottom line in terms of uh, revenue? Are they kind of remaining silent on the issue of smoking? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it brought up. And, um, you know, I, like, like you said, I, I think it just could be um, – you know, a less important issue given the the bread and butter issues that the the union is fighting for, uh, and, and it could be you know a, a divisive one um, based on you know it, you know if you're a smoker or you know I, I would see see likely that uh, you know a lot of people would at least want it reduced to certain areas, but um, yeah, I, work, that's not something that workers or, or the union I've seen bring up. One of the things that we've seen over the course of the last 80 or 90 years is uh, a decline in the private sector organized labor movement in this country. And then we heard a lot about that. And then we heard in the, um, you know, in the run up to the Janus decision by the Supreme Court that this is going to make it even tougher for organized labor in this country. And then it looked like the labor movement was sort of catching a little bit of a head of steam Uh, where I live in Staten Island. You had these Amazon workers vote to unionize and then a push in other private sector uh, workplaces towards unionization. For people that are curious about where the labor movement is right now, particularly the private sector labor movement, where are things right now as, as you see it with the labor movement in this country? Well, I mean, looking at the statistics, uh, you know, it, it, it is grim and it has been pretty grim for, you know, the past few decades because, um, you know, they, they've been on a decline. And there's a, a lot of various reasons for why that's happened since the 70s. Um, and, but, uh, you know, just over the, the past couple of years, uh, I, I think, you know, people within the labor movement, uh, there's kind of a consensus that COVID has kind of exposed a lot of the issues within workplaces uh, and, and really kind of inspired um, labor union organizing in places that haven't, you know, have typically successfully thwarted any union organizing efforts, like you mentioned, at Amazon and Staten Island, uh, at the retail store REI. Uh, in, in New York, uh, you know, second one filed for union election. A couple of Trader Joe's stores have filed for union elections. You know, that retail chain doesn't have a union. Uh, Starbucks stores, uh, there wasn't a union one year ago uh, in the U.S. at a corporate store. Now they're headed towards almost 200. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, especially among younger people, uh, I think there, there's really a push. And at the National Labor Relations Board, um, you know, they've been really pushing uh, for policies to facilitate union organizing and kind of um, en- enabling this resurgence of the labor movement and this kind of energy and excitement, whether it's around 
um, you know, strikes. There were a, a lot of them just this past fall, uh, you know, at John Deere, at, um, you know, a lot of different companies. And, um, you know, I think the, this casino strike, I think, is part of that. Um, you know, hospitality workers, you might hear just uh, when the pandemic hit, um, most of their membership lost their jobs. And um, so they've kind of had to rebuild uh their unions back up and and then their workers back up and um you know as the hotel industries and a lot of tourism has kind of started to to rebound um you know workers um are are still you know suffering and we see this in a lot of different industries just you know with the airline industry right now with all the, the cancellations and everything so so things aren't back to normal for workers and i think workers are kind of waking up to the fact that uh, union organizing is a, a vehicle to uh, facilitate changes that they are, are seeking to work mm. conditions and pay and things like that. Do you have a favorite Atlantic City restaurant? Uh, I like the, the Tropicana. I haven't been there in a while, but although uh, I wish I was there uh, a few days ago. I know Bocelli was in Atlantic City. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, any specific restaurant at the Trop that you have as a favorite? Uh, I don't remember at Fair this point. Enough. Fair enough. All right. We won't hold you to that. Michael Sinato is doing some great reporting in The Guardian on the labor movement all over the country, especially what's happening in Atlantic City, which I think is going to be one of the most watched labor stories and economic stories in the whole country, certainly in our region. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. We'll look forward to chatting again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Frank. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.